Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. This is a mess. None of these storylines make any sense. Come at me, bro, and welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Episode 9, the finale titled Whose Show Is This? Directed by Kat Coiro. If you're joining us for the first time, well, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Uh, now, hold on a second. Okay, um, okay, listen, listener, listener, hey, hey, listener, is anyone else there? Is it just you and me? Great. Okay, I know, you, I know you're listening in your car, or you're walking your dog right now, or you're doing chores around the house, and you're thinking, oh, I wish Nate would break the fourth wall and talk directly to me like She-Hulk in the show. Well, congrats. This is me talking directly to you, and I want to let you know that this isn't the end for Watch Club. It's not the only Watch Club we've got going on right now. In fact, we also have another Watch Club going on for Andor with our first Watch Club episode out right now where we break down and share our thoughts and theories on the first three episodes. And now that episode six is out, oh my gosh, listener, did you, did you, uh, tell me right now, did you watch episode six? Right? It was incredible. So phenomenal. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you want to check out that Watch Club, that's going to be coming soon. You can join the Rebellion, give that a listen, and do me a favor, subscribe if you haven't already. Do it. Just um, look, if you scroll, scroll up a little bit, tap subscribe right there. There you go. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get back to the show. Breaking the fourth wall, the fifth wall, and even the sixth wall with me today, we have our other Hulksters joining me. First up, he's the judicial jaunty and jazzy jelly bean of justice. He's Justin, the lawman, Lawrence. What's up, bro? And what's up, listeners? How are you? Doing yeah, well? See, Enjoying your drive? Enjoying your walk? We're addressing the listeners directly now. We have well, the power. I, I kind of think, think the point of a podcast is to break the fourth wall and is to address the the audience so yeah you know maybe we're just behind on this whole meta quality of what a podcast is but i love that you're interjecting it very fitting okay okay i appreciate that i appreciate that uh next up he's ready to dismiss the deliberation of the deposition given by the defendant of the defenders he's darcy the dank devil hudson hello hello yeah i don't i don't know how i feel about breaking the fourth wall on a podcast it's supposed to be a conversation (laughs) between the people here not the people who (laughs) We can't hear. Well, what they can't really communicate right back. I know. I yeah, kind of felt a little door of the explorer. There. It, yeah, I did feel like I was, you know. But listen, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I, I, I like uh, implementing a little bit of meta humor in in my shows that I watch and in the podcasts that I record. But listen, joining us for the first time on this watch club, but you've heard her spitting mad facts on the courts before. She's here to viciously vacate the vil- the vigilantes who vehemently void any vicarious viability via vexatious variances. While verifying her verdict, she's the video dame from twitch.tv. It's your girl, Alyssa. What's up, what's up? Hey, hey listener, what drive through you in? Hamburgers, <laughs> coffee? Get some nuggies. Just give me something. Just get send some, it to us. Yeah, we'll give you the address later. No worries. No worries. Yeah, nuggies would be great. How's it going, uh, Alyssa? Stoked to have you on for Watch Club again. I remember you messaged me really early on before the show even dropped. As soon as we started hearing about it, and you're like, I need to talk about this show. 
Absolutely. I think it was pre-Ms. Marvel, and I was like, if you don't have time for me in Ms. Marvel, that's fine. She-Hulk, <laughs> I have to be a part of it. Gotta get on She's there. She's so gotta, sassy. I love her. We gotta talk about Tatiana and, and, and Nikki and Pug and Titania and all these wonderful folks. Well, all right. Well, last week, Darcy, I asked you what tactic you'd choose to take out a room of hench goons, and we both went with stealth, obviously. Uh, this week, I want to know for all three of you... Um, Actually, no, I'm going to go meta with it again. Hello, and welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast podcast, where we discuss our favorite podcast. Joining me on the podcast this week, we have my fellow podcasting podcasters, Justin, Darcy, and Alyssa. How's it going today, podcasters? Pod- I've already podcasting? said hi. It feels podcasting, weird again. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep yeah. saying the word podcast. All right. Well, listen, let's kick off the podcast uh, with our guest, Alyssa. I want to ask, what podcast have you been enjoying lately? Ooh, other than this podcast, because this is maybe the one of the only ones I listen to on the regular. <laughs> um, I do also listen to a show called The Comment Section with Drew Afualo. Are you guys familiar? No. Drew Afualo. I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> so Drew Afualo is um, a, I would say like a feminist vigilante from TikTok. And she stitches TikToks of like really awful um men who are just like calling out women for stupid things um and she just like chirps back at them and compares them to like mcdonald's happy meal toys or like <laughs> stupid you'd have to really look it up but basically she is um a, a defender of like women and uh she has lots of guests guests on her uh show she had like drag queens on her show she had other tiktok store uh stars and um she she is who I imagine Nikki would be in the MCU. This is the kind of podcast that she would have. That Nikki would make. Oh, I like it. Very fitting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Fits with the themes of the show, I think, quite a bit. Absolutely. Uh, as we'll be, we'll be digging into. Cool. Okay. Darcy, how about yourself? What's a podcast you've been enjoying lately? Uh, I'm not the biggest podcast uh, listener. I'm more of an audiobook fan. But when I do dabble in the podcast era, it's usually some sort of D&D podcast or other or if I Were You by uh, Jake and Amir, a uh, big fan of the College Humor duo, and it's their podcast after they've left College Humor, and it's just, you know, a life discussion podcast, and their two guys are hilarious, so very enjoyable as they get down to earth and talk about some very random and out there topics. <laughs> That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, it's yeah. it's nice to kind of, uh, again, like I think when we when you follow a group of people and then sometimes you see them split off into their own thing i know for myself shout out to the kind of funny podcast uh who just recently celebrated their new studio launch uh who broke most of them broke off from IGN and then formed their own thing so that's cool when you can sort of follow people even though they might have left their their previous like corporation or company that they worked for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. justin how about yourself what's a podcast you've been digging on lately dude I'm a big fan of behind the scenes. Um, so the director's cut, the, it's a, the DGA. Um, they have a podcast where they sit down with directors of, of films and it's a director interviewing a director um, and they have a conversation about, about the movie. So these are, these are conversations that are held at the DGA, at the, at the uh, Directors Guild Association uh, mm-hmm. for the community and uh, they record it and they share it and uh it's it's really good it's it's some really insightful stuff they've had some great pairings for me at least i, I just love l- learning the insights uh of what goes into making the things that we love as as we do here on the podcast so that kind of very much fuels what we do here in, in many ways right just having that sort of inspiration and that knowledge base to just kind of be inspired by the work that we're we enjoy uh, outside of just pure entertainment right and it's kind of neat too. Like I, I love that because it's it's like 
you sort of get to stand there for that conversation of the meeting of the minds, right? Of these people mm-hmm. that they, they collectively do the same thing. And so you can sort of, in a way, you almost feel like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of this conversation too. And I get to hear these two uh, talents talk about the things that they do every day. And also, like, I guess in a way, um, yeah, they just sort of connect over those things, right? And to, to be there for those connecting moments where like, oh, okay, tell me what you do when you run into this problem. And then they get to reveal that to each other and trade those secrets is so cool. Yeah. So dope. Very yeah. cool. For me, um, I, and I listen, our regular listeners of the Geek Centric Podcast podcast will be upset with me. Got a lot of podcast <laughs> fans listening to this uh, because they've been telling me to listen to this podcast for a long time, but I've really been getting into Smartless. Uh, hosted by Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. Uh, if you haven't already checked out Smartless, it is so good. phenomenal. Kind of like what you were just talking about, Justin, of like, you know, when I think of these three comedians, I think they are phenomenal. They're iconic and they're, you know, they're f- fantastic actors. And then so to hear them geek out with meeting people like, you know, Mike Myers or their Ewan <laughs> McGregor episode, uh, oh, yeah. which is just one of the most delightful things. I just listened to their Jack Black episode as well. It's honestly, I highly recommend it. It's such a good time, such a good conversation. Uh, but that is it for this week's episode of the Geek Central Podcast podcast. Uh, tune in next week where we discuss podcasts we don't like. But for now, <laughs> let's get back to Watch Club. Um, listen, it's time to grab a drink and Hulk smash through the thumbnail of Marvel Studios Assembled because court is now in session with the Honorable Judge Nate presiding. This finale kicks off this week with the Marvel fanfare, followed by an incredible opening where we see a remake of the original 1978's The Incredible Hulk opening credits, this time starring Jen in The Savage She-Hulk. And I have to say, this was, like, I loved this tribute. Uh, Before we keep going, I wanted to ask, what did you folks think of this opener? I loved that they had uh, someone that was like a Lou Ferrigno playing the Hulk, uh, hulked out version of Jennifer yes. rather than a CGI. I thought that was so, like, again, they really leaned into the sort of, again, nostalgia or, you know, that that type of uh, filmmaking approach, uh, which I thought was was just spot on. And I, it had me laughing. But I also think that it, it, it just, it's a reminder of, um, based off of where we we came, where we ended last week's episode about that savage side, that that yeah. that monster side that lives inside of 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 Jen, known as the Hulk, and you know this this series has been playing very fast and loose with the sort of comedic and and very uh, self referential humor that you know last week's episode ended on that note of as a reminder that she is still a Hulk, that there mm-hmm. is still a animalistic or you know monster-like quality that lives inside of her that we saw kind of unleashed uh in a way that i thought was very triggering for i think a lot of women it was it was it was very interesting so to kick this episode off with this sort of tongue-in-cheek uh you know retro intro to kind of remind us of what how the hulk was sold so many years ago as this monster as this beast and kind of really does have you calling back to the end of the episode so i thought it was really smart it just kind of it almost served as like the previously on right uh sort of aspect of of the of the episode absolutely in a in a fun creative way i love the letterboxing how it goes back Mm -hmm. to that old letterbox style and 
the fact that yeah, it is paying tribute to the the Bill Bixby series, but it's also remaking it. A lot of the backgrounds were lifted from the original show. Uh, that narration, mm-hmm. and like you said, the 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 choice to have the Hulk version of Jen different um, because that's what they did with Lou Ferrigno um, in the original show. Uh, David Banner, who's played by Bill Bixby, which I know it's it's really dumb that they called him David Banner because apparently the showrunners were a bunch of Todd like men who said that that the name Bruce was too gay uh, to be the Hulk didn't make any sense for me. How is Bruce a gay name? That's what I, I can't d- get my head around. I don't understand. Uh, Manly name, if anything. What is a gay name? <laughs> how is any name yeah, a gay name? Like, like I just what, yeah. how do you how do you decide that? It's so silly. There's it's just, so random. Stupid. There's so many, so many Todds in this world, unfortunately. Um, but I will say, fun fact: I thought the actor playing the Hulk version might have been uh, Malia Nahinu, who is the VFX reference actress for right, the Tatiana. But it's not. Yeah. It's oh. actually a man named Devon Lewis, who is a <laughs> yes. bodybuilder on TikTok. <laughs> Um, so he was phenomenal and it's really interesting too you you think you don't you know that marvel doesn't let anything slip he posted a picture of a sequence of of him of his face as she hulk forever ago like three weeks mm-hmm. ago and nobody oh, nobody wow. caught on so um really intriguing it and I almost also, halloween so maybe yeah, i guess exactly. I mean, and yeah <laughs> Yeah, and, and and She Hulk is She Hulk is very relevant. So, but dude, you know, this was like very this was open straight up a picture. But dude, this was straight up a picture of a monitor on the lot of him in that moment. So I was like, I don't know how he got away with that, but that's oh. listen. Well, people have gotten away with a lot worse. I think that's a very low key one, right? And so, looking yeah. looking at pictures of him, I wouldn't I wouldn't be the <laughs> Jamie Fox. I wouldn't go up with him. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but it's also crazy to think that the footage of Jen and Bruce in that. 70s style clothing that we saw forever ago in the first trailer it's just dope to see that it was like meant for an actual episode and not just the promo uh Alyssa, what did you think of this opener absolutely i had very similar thoughts i thought for a moment well i had never seen the original uh incredible hulk so i was like this is cool is this like kind of ref- referencing like something older yeah um but i had a similar thought to you where i was like oh cool like they they released this at disney plus day i think last year mm-hmm. and now we finally get to see it but my thought process was like did they maybe think of using it as like a credit sequence at the beginning or like was it always meant to be at the very end as like a like a jen walters is saying you're stupid to the intelligentsia <laughs> yeah. like was that its intention the whole time because yeah. i thought it was so fun it's so good it's I, so good i think so I, I i think it was meant to be like there's a lot of people that were posting that photo on like Twitter and stuff like that uh, from that first trailer being like, so is this going to happen? Like, when are we going to get this sequence that we saw so many, right. you know, months ago or, you know, when the first trailer dropped and it's great that they put it here because I think, again, it just, we already know all of, uh, all of the history of the Hulk and, and, and even in a pop culture capacity. So to save that for the finale. And again, as a way to kind of connect the ending of, of episode eight to episode nine in a very tongue in cheek way. It, again, I don't think we got a previously on, uh, did no. we in this episode? No. no so this I, I the kind first of time feel we went like right into the fanfare. Yeah. 
Right. We went right into the fanfare and then we went into this intro and this intro actually encompasses a lot of what happened in the previously on in the sense of talking about her rage and her her sort of in, in, in you know animalistic instincts and the, the monster inside of her while also showing us Todd intelligentsia, all of this stuff like it, it, it gave it. And I think they even had Belonsky in there. Emil was in there as well. Right. So it served as that previously on. And I think it was really very much trying to encapsulate much of what has happened uh, through throughout the the season so far so i thought it was just a great way to do it right like just very fun darcy what about you i don't i I enjoyed the opening uh it was great i mean you guys have said a lot of things i liked about it so i'm not gonna be a broken record here i just i really enjoyed the opening very cool very cool all right well listen after that uh incredible dream sequence opener maybe it was more of a like a nightmare sequence opener. Uh, we see Jen has awoken uh, in the same style cell as Emil Blonsky at the Damage Control Supermax prison. Mallory, Nikki, and Pug walk in to inform Jen that they've left multiple messages for Bruce and that she can leave the prison as long as she agrees to the same terms as Emil Blonsky because like him, the general public see her as an out-of-control Hulk. So they strap an inhibitor onto her leg, and she joins her parents outside the prison. She moves back in with her with her parents, uh, and she's let go from her job at GLKNH. Her name is being slandered all over the news, and one thing she never really asked for but has to learn to cope with has now been taken from her. She can't turn into the Hulk. So Nikki and her start to devise a plan of action, what to do, you know, how, how can they destroy them by all means, legally, of course. Uh, and we get an incredible and hilarious look at Jen and her friends dancing in a video she made during law sc- while she was in law school. Uh, and finally, the, um, the original dickhead, Dennis Bukowski, uh, is shown where he claims that he, he actually dated Jen in an interview with Jefferson Coop on The Conversation. We see Jen in her room as she breaks the fourth wall once again. She stops the narrator, and she decides to visit Emil Blonsky at his retreat so she can get a mental health break. So before we keep going here, uh, kind of a fun question um, that Alyssa actually helped me out with. Um, (laughs) Jen's mom, Elaine, showed that incredible video, and honestly... That hit me with the nostalgic feels because I'm sure we all have those videos that we made that we'd rather not see the light of day. I got to ask, can any of you think of a video or recorded moment that, you know, you did when you were younger uh, that you really hope doesn't ever show up ever again? Uh, Darcy, why don't you kick us off? Uh, I mean, not not really. Uh, Anything that we do have that's recorded or stuff like that, I'm an idiot in, which is pretty true (laughs) to form. I'm kind of always an idiot, so... You know, it's just people getting to see the real me, I guess. So, yeah, I wouldn't be too embarrassed by anything because, again, I probably do the same thing nowadays. So, right. No, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Justin, how about yourself? I guess it would have been when I was younger and I was acting in like drama class and stuff like that. And like sometimes looking back at those, like thinking back, I'm just like, damn. I think that would definitely make me feel embarrassed of like watching like an old performance from a stage play that I did uh, when I was like in grade six or seven. I think that would be pretty embarrassing, but thankfully I don't think those tapes exist. We got to find them. them. (laughs) We got to find them. (laughs) Alyssa, what about you? Um, I think that like Darcy, like I'm just a very strange person and throughout my whole life, I've always done weird stuff. But the difference about me is that if I do something embarrassing, a lot of the time I just want to like show it off to everybody. <laughs> so the there's a very distinct video of me after I got my wisdom teeth taken out. Oh, it's um, so good. It's called show me your teeth. 
yeah. it's on YouTube. You could look it up. It's free. <laughs> and I I quote like uh, "Show Me Your Teeth" by Lady Gaga, and I am like touching my gauze and crying and sobbing, and it's 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 quite sad actually, but it is a two part series. So feel free to look it up on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely find it. Uh, you can buy the the merch. I know there's a whole yeah, buy it on iTunes. Yeah, it on yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, I love that. I love that. For me. Um, the only one I can think of, I, I made some videos in high school with my friends Luke and Jake and Kai, where we uh, we did what we thought was like a parody of The Office. Uh, it was it was called Tales from the Market, <laughs> and basically we would go around Newmarket, uh, and we probably were terrorizing local businesses by running like around all these different stores. I remember there's one time where like I ran by this like old lady, and she's like, "How old are you?" And I was like, "I don't know." And then I just ran away and like <laughs> there's another moment where like I, I I'm crying at one point because my friend Gordy, who was a gourd, got smashed to pieces. And then another moment where I'm I'm yelling across running across a parking lot shouting for Nazareth. Uh, and I, <laughs> I start yelling and running towards the, the Toys R Us. It's just it's one of those things that like looking back, you're like, this was so stupid. But when you're in the middle of making it you feel like you're on fire. Like you're like, this is the next big viral thing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I thought I was David after dentist. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I yeah. thought I was going, I thought it was going on Ellen. Like, it's it was gonna everything. Happen. It's going to happen. You got to monetize your embarrassment. That's what I'm saying. hundred uh, percent. And, and Nikki does just that. She's actually a straight up genius. Uh, and she uses that video of Jen, Jen dancing as bait for the Hulk King. Uh, and she scores an invite to a private event that's happening that night. So she enlists Pug and uh, drives him to the event. Uh, and Jen's also unknowingly in the next building. Uh, and she doesn't know what's going on next to her here. And, and, you know, we see Emil is actually hosting the meditation retreat. So Pug walks in and says a bunch of gross stuff about quote-unquote females. Uh, and then we see freaking Todd is not only there, but yes, he is confirmed as the Hulk King. So folks, what did we what did we think of this meeting of the bros and Nikki and Pug's infiltration mission? Um I thought it was very meta in a different way. Um I actually deposit and laugh about like their critiques um on how She-Hulk got her powers from nepotism and things like that. Oh yeah. It's very it very much reflects like the dude bros reactions to this show and I love that like they saw that reaction from the public that we don't like to talk about. Um, coming from miles and miles away, like this was pre-pre-planned, and this is exactly how people are reacting to the show. So I'm hopeful that they'll like see it and reflect on how they're acting, and maybe see it in in themselves. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're I watching, I, you're, you're I watching evil you're in saying. front of you. Yeah, I know, and I I just think that at this point too, I I don't know if if that that audience is going to be changed. They're still going to have there, there's no that negativity, no, yeah. but yeah. I I do agree. I think what's what's kind of funny is how they're they're looking to complain about Jen Walters and She Hulk in a way that doesn't even make sense, right? Absolutely. Like it just it and and that's very much like the reaction rather around this series is that there's just not a real justification to why the show doesn't work other than the obvious which is well she's a woman it's a mm -hmm. it's a story about a woman and that that to me is you know like you're saying they're poking fun at that they're making mm -hmm. they're making fun of that fan and i though that fan basis and that that existence of, of that visceral sort of hate 
And I think mm-hmm. they knew that this was going to happen. I, I don't think, I think everyone, they knew from the get-go that this was going yeah. to, this was going to have that sort of reaction because social media is, is what it is nowadays, right? It, there's even, mm-hmm. obviously with the intelligentsia, that, that is a very self-referential part of the, that sort of fandom and, and the, the reactions to, to it. So yeah. I think it's all purposeful and it's all meaningful and, yeah, I loved I loved how they were trying to like give crazy ass justification as to why like she doesn't deserve <laughs> the powers. I'm like, this, what, this is so dumb. Right? Like, like, makes sense. These guys are all the worst. And and like I agree. Like it's like the writers literally searched for comments on Twitter and on Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram and just like found, you know, all these previous Marvel projects where they basically just picked up those comments and then lifted their dialogue right from it. The mention of Lady Thor and how that guy doesn't like her because she's a female, oh but then she's, he's like, but if it was a dude, I'd have the same problems. I'm like, <laughs> Thor exists? Does Thor not exist? I don't understand. Um, and then you it hear... It points out the flaws in their arguments. Unreal, right? like, dude. When Nikki, when Nikki arrives yeah. later in the scene, right, you hear a guy in the background who's like, another one? And I'm just another like... Another one? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> fuck, man. Brutal, brutal. And then, like, I, I got to admit, like, at first I was like, oh, the wrecking guy... You know, the Wrecking Crew guy, Wrecker guy or whatever, he's finally, okay, he's kind of come around. He's But then he still does the gross forced hug thing when when he tells uh, Jen that he'll put her up in a room. And I'm just like, dude, like, I get that you think you're close to Jen. You're not as close as you think you are. And that just came off not great. Not great. I don't know, man. Again, I just think, like, it's just that all these guys are just absolutely terrible. And it's it's so unfortunate that, like, it's it's too real. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. I I mean, of course, obviously meant to hate everyone at that little man meeting or whatever. So definitely <laughs> got that point across very yeah. quickly. But what I liked even more is the fact that there is immediately the subtle foreshadowing as to where this event was taking place with the bad reception. Like, yes, the, like it was good. this is the only place on the property where he could get a, she could get a, a clear reception on her cell phone. Mm-hmm. And here Pug is having trouble with reception. So it's like, oh, no. And then you start seeing the posters in the background. It's like, oh, God, don't tell me where this is going. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that aspect of their little story storytelling you know jaunt here (laughs) and i love the idea that like the abomination is just like you know i'm just gonna take money from these guys but then like it's i don't know if he feels like he's actually helping them or if it's just all a money grab um but honestly every moment with pug shout out to pug and nikki who especially nikki who have just been so phenomenal in this series i would watch an entire show that was just Pug and Nikki, like trying to solve things for Jen in the background. Like yeah, honestly, just a buddy cop. It's so good. Yeah. I love that. It's so good when he's when, when she's like when, he, when she's like, oh, everyone will have one of those in their ear. Don't worry about it. It's like, yeah, absolutely. All these chats. Oh, it was it was such a it was such a bad plan. I'm like, why is no one asking him about that damn single AirPod that's just yeah. singing it sitting in his ear, right? They all have. They all do that, dude. They all do it. No one cares about anyone except oh for themselves. Really matter. Uh, all right. So then Abomination shows up as the guest speaker at the event, followed by Jen. Then Nikki shows up. Then Todd injects his blood, in, you know, or Jen's blood into himself and grotesquely turns himself into a Hulk, uh, which I got to say, like, <laughs> looked terrible. That was angly. That was angly Hulk right there, transformation <laughs> yes. wise. Like, that yes, was so yes. bad. It was pretty brutal. <laughs> it was pretty brutal. Um, Titania shows up, crashes through the door. I love how Nikki's like, 
does this bitch not use doors? Like, yeah, <laughs> so good. Um, and so then funny. things just get so messy. They start going off the wall. You know, uh, Hulk, like Bruce, shows up and, and crashes through the ceiling uh, and tells Emil to put Jen down. Uh, and then everything starts going crazy. And then Jen looks at the camera and says, is this working for you? And then immediately we were all taken out of the show back to the Disney Plus app Marvel section where Jen tells us that you know the menu's not going to stop her and she smashes out of the She-Hulk thumbnail and into the Marvel Studios assembled Shang-Chi episode thumbnail bringing her directly onto a Marvel Studios soundstage she walks across the Disney lot and eventually into the She-Hulk writers room where they're discussing the writing on the show so listen before we go further uh let's get to this here what was your first impression uh, as this was all happening Alyssa why don't you kick us off I I was like, this is a lot. I, we, I was watching. I was at the edge of my seat, and I was like, oh, oh, he's turning into a Hulk. Is he gonna be Red Hulk? No. Wait, Bruce is back. Wait, why is Bruce back? He's not supposed to say be the hero of her of her like story. I don't understand yeah. why what's happening. So I was like very overwhelmed. And as soon as like like cut to the Disney Plus scene, I was like, oh, please fix that because. <laughs> Because like this is obviously the the moral of the story. The title of the episode was like whose show is it? It's mm-hmm. like it's my show, right? Mm-hmm. So I was really hoping that there would be some kind of like backpedaling to give her the 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 main like spotlight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it was a lot. I was very overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, Darcy, what about you? I loved it. Again, as a fan of the comics, this is straight from how she used to break the fourth wall by ripping through the little panels of her comic to talk to the writers and stuff. So this mm-hmm. moment of her, you know, the modern version of breaking through, or ripping through panels is punching through the, the title card for your own show. I loved it. And I, I again, I it, it got me excited for, for more future fourth wall breaking, both from Jen Walters and whatever show or movie she pops up in next and Deadpool. Like, the fourth wall seems like MCU ha- knows how to break it and and make it fun and enjoyable. Yeah, this was this was the most impressive fourth wall breaking that I've ever seen on screen, and I was sh- I was shook. I reached for my remote initially. I thought I sat on it. <laughs> I thought I sat on the remote. I was like, oh shoot! And then I uh, just quickly, really quick, because uh, Darcy, you mentioned the comics. Outside the writers' room is this week's QR code, the final QR code for the show, which actually brings us to the sensational She-Hulk number 50, where Jen travels to the offices of Marvel Comics, uh, which, again, such a meta choice uh, Mm -hmm. for this week's comic for them to give away. So definitely scan that QR code, read that comic book. Uh, But Justin, what 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 was your initial thoughts when this happened? Well, very much like Alyssa, it was overwhelming. And I was like, this isn't what they're doing, right? Like, they're not just about to have, like, a shit show of everyone just showing up into one room and and everything's just going to go crazy. And yeah, when when that screen popped up, I was like, oh, oh, this is part of a fourth wall breaking moment. And Mm -hmm. then we get further into it. And I love that, you know, again, as you pointed out, Darcy, this exists in the comics. And the fact that that QR code, as you pointed out, Nate, is is a reference to that. There's there's uh, there's a reason for it. And it just it's it's more tailored to this She-Hulk and this version of 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 that character so i think it's again to find a way to actually take that story and integrate it into this episode as part of the finale i think that's great um it was definitely jarring but 
again, with all of the subtle, small amounts of fourth wall breaking we've gotten mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the season, this, as you said, Nate, is so extreme. It like it felt like, okay, we're going there. We are yeah. fully going there, right? So I'm glad that it was saved as a as a finale element because it just it it gave justification for it and it also pushed the boundaries if they had done this maybe earlier in uh you know halfway through or even maybe closer towards the end i don't know if it would have landed i think here it, it actually kind of gave it a little bit more of a uh elevation just because we've had such small amounts of it throughout right. that you know this one was like intense it was very much in your face it was so good i i want to say the multiple posters of cap that we see on the lot that says, I want you to put down your cell phone. Um, like yeah. the, I want you posters. I yeah. originally, I thought it was a reference to Jen's phone because her wallpaper is America's ass, obviously. Um, but then, <laughs> then writer Matt Singer actually posted that they are real posters that are on the Marvel lot. And they're meant to remind mm-hmm. people uh, to protect the secrecy of the things that they see on the lot. So I think that's that's so dope. I loved when we got into the writer's room. Jessica Gao was there. Justin, you interviewed someone who was actually on the show. Uh, Jessica yeah, Gao was there. Didn't say anything. She just nodded. I was that's hoping true. she would have actually said more because she is like super funny. She's a comedian. So yeah. I was like, oh, great. This is going to be a great opportunity for Jessica to interact mm-hmm. with the character she's writing for with other writers, right? Like kind of speaking on behalf. Like she's sort of the showrunner. But they obviously hit those lines I guess with uh, I'm, I'm gonna imagine they were, they were actually actors and not the real writers but you know the rest of them could have been the other some of them were some of them the were. show yeah. yeah I'm sure some of them were right so but I'm sure the talking lines came from actors right but I, I would have loved to have seen Jessica just kind of chime in a little bit there and you know kind of give her sort of opinion it would have been nice because she's she's super funny even from that interview like she's just she's so with it I, I feel like she could improv really well yeah, Cody Ziegler was shown on screen as well. Uh, he actually is one of the writers uh, for Marv, uh, for Miles Morales, and he actually wrote last week's episode uh, as well, nice. and he was the, the lead writer for that. But yeah, dude, I, I, I think there could have been maybe a little bit more banter, but I loved kind of my eyes were darting all around the room. Like that whiteboard, uh, there was some funny stuff on, like there's uh, something written down that says there's something attractive about a man's knees. I was just like, what? Um, They also wrote down Gamma Goo, Nanobots, the Inchedible Hulk. Um, But interestingly enough, there is one that, for me at least, kind of foreshadowed the ending of this episode and and how, you know, I think maybe people like myself might feel about it, which uh, it just says, uh, in quotes, but there's no wowie at the end. Um, so obviously I'm going to go into that a little bit later on in my, in my final thoughts, but it's just nuts that they, they just seem to know what they were doing during this production. I I think it's, it's crazy that I I did hear that there were some reshoots that they did do a little bit here and there, but this is reminding me, like, this is reminding me of, of the kind of stuff you'd expect out of like, um, South Park. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very sort of, I I know with South Park there, they're up to the, the, the minute, uh, when they put those, those, uh, projects out. So. Isn't Jessica Gao a writer for Rick and Morty? She is. Yes, she is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, that now that makes it a lot also of fits. Sense, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just another thing about this sequence too, I gotta say, it's probably the best that She Hulk has looked CGI wise throughout the whole series. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. It's kind of funny that it isn't this big action moment where it's a, a, a clobber fest. It's more just really her breaking that fourth wall and, and going further than that. And I thought it was incredible. She looks so realistic considering she was supposed to be coming into our real world. So I, I thought that was a really cool touch. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. 
All right, well let's let's keep going here because this is this is where it really pops off. Um, <laughs> so then Jen learns <clears throat> that she has to talk to Kevin. Uh, she breaks into the Marvel head office where she's forced to sign an NDA, even though the secretary just pulls the alarm on her anyways. Uh, she beats up the guards in the hallway and breaks into Kevin's office where we see a bunch of screens playing like all the different Marvel movies. Uh, and and then we we realize we learn that Kevin is not Kevin Feige, uh, or even a man, but a robot with the acronym name of Kevin, which stands for Knowledge Enhanced Visual Interconnectivity Nexus. Jen and Kevin discuss how the show is basically just repeating the mistakes of the previous Marvel plot lines and how she thinks the show should end. Kevin makes the changes uh, for her, and we see the bloodline plot removed. Bruce showing up to save the day was removed. Emil Blonsky taking responsibility for his actions. Uh, and instead of night, like most of the MCU show finales, it's daytime. Uh, Jen then <laughs> steps back into the show. She confronts Todd, telling him she'll see him in court, letting Emil know that uh, he's going back to prison for 10 years. And then we also see Daredevil one more time as he's randomly spawned in like a video game character. Uh, and Jen and him have a really lovely connection moment, uh, even though, and then Pug's like super shocked by that. And he's like freaking out. Uh, so let's stop here. What did you folks think of Kevin and the changes made to the ending of the show's final act? First off, the thing I like about Kevin the most is the fact that his three lenses are space, reality, and time. Oh. And when you look at movies and, and entertainment, like TV and stuff like that in general, those are what they're manipulating to tell stories. The space with what? you know where you're looking. Reality is where superheroes exist. And, and time, where weeks will pass in a matter of moments. And so the fact that that's how this robot who is orchestrating the entire MCU views things, I thought it was a very meta way. And plus his little like hat that he's wearing as well oh, as a so nod good. to the actual Kevin Feige. So good. Uh, Ke the, the character of Kevin is incredible and I hope we get more of him somehow. <laughs> it's interesting because I, I know the phase, phase Zero guys did a like conversation with Jessica and she wanted to put a hat on on the machine and, yeah. and they they couldn't actually put a physical hat so they they built it into the machine so it was kind so of like good. a part of it and it, it made sense so i think i think that's really funny uh yeah i got a lot of matrix vibes from this obviously uh, mm. with the architect at the end of of uh, matrix reloaded spoilers mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> oh, you've only it? seen the first uh, i've only seen the first one but i'm only also like 25 years late so don't worry <laughs> yeah exactly you're 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 yeah you're very late uh so yeah it, it has that has that meta quality where you know it does sort of challenge the existence but at the same time it's it's more tongue-in-cheek obviously as, we, as we're saying it's it it, it is very self-referential and she's aware of of the storytelling mechanism that is uh so i love that she's p calling out the the sort of faults of you know past series just mm -hmm. to kind of help you know get us in a different direction and and on honestly just kind of talking about all the idea of like really expectations you know, fans' expectations and, and series' expectations and, mm -hmm. you know, very much in these these last moments before we get to, to you know, the final wrap-up of the scene there, it is very much her just saying, like, take this out, get this out, you know, we don't need this, right? Like, a reminder that she wants the show to stay true to form and be focused, you know, about her, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. more like the 
with her sitting down and getting more into it and talking about X-Men after, you know, nixing all these other things from her own ending, uh, it just all of a sudden made me realize that Kevin is very similar to an X-Men villain uh, being Mojo, who runs this interdimensional TV uh, channel, and he's all about trying to record and set up all these X-Men in these terrible situations to get great entertainment out of it. So that's, with the way that Daredevil even pops in later on, it leads me to wonder, is like maybe Kevin is more than just a fourth wall breaking device what if she is actually trapped in some some other you know separate reality or something like that like i don't know it was very mojo was a weird character though too right he was very eccentric mm-hmm. and very like he was almost like very like huge too wasn't he he was like he was, he was like a weird alien like... in a crab suit type thing <laughs> yeah in a so crab suit very much like, like uh, uh... yeah <laughs> yeah very wild and out there but it's it got a lot of mojo vibes from kevin especially once she dropped that x men bomb yeah connected those dots <laughs> that was some of my favorite comedic moments also where she's like and when are we getting the x-men and then she was like eh. <laughs> With the <thumbs> up. <laughs> so she's like i'm on it guys i'm on it i'm trying to get Absolutely. the answers for you <laughs> yeah she like she like broke the fourth fifth and sixth wall is talking to kevin and then she broke the wall again to talk to us afterwards yeah. just mind-boggling like one of my favorite quotes from this scene was I smash fourth walls and bad endings and sometimes Matt Murdock. Oh, it's so good. That was amazing. So good. I was maybe thinking Nate last week. Our last, yeah. yeah, last week just <laughs> Darcy and I were on the episode and I couldn't stop oh my God. loving the fact that they smashed. Um I uh <laughs> I, I do like when she says bring Daredevil back because a woman has needs. Um, and the robot yeah. saying, historically, we've been light in that department is so <laughs> freaking true. And it's been one of those things that like, honestly, they've they've never really addressed sex in the MCU, especially from the woman's side. Uh, and these characters are supposed to be something that we align with as humans. And a lot of MCU fans are adults. So it just makes sense that by this point, in after all these movies, that we would start to see some that actually have characters that have sex and that we could connect with them on that level. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Yeah. I have not heard the last podcast that you guys released, but did you talk about the moment where she was like, this episode came to a uh, very satisfying conclusion. Absolutely. Trust me. Oh, yeah. You yeah. did. Okay, oh, yeah. good. They, I was they, like, hey <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, trust me. I dug, oh, boy. I dug yes. into that. I dug into that. Um, oh my god I love it <laughs> but I also dug the musical stinger for Black Panther when he calls out the visual effects team has moved on <laughs> mm-hmm. to another project oh the my so good so good and then like they keep the camera off her to save money I was just I was dying the entire time um, and Darcy I do have to wonder kind of like what you were just saying there she's jumping into this universe um, or or maybe this is another universe it's maybe it's not our universe. It's another universe where Kevin Feige doesn't exist, right? And this mm-hmm. this robot is there instead. Um, and so it's like, so is that is that not our universe? Is it a different universe where they're making shows that are just like our universe, but it's for you know what I mean? Like I'm, I don't know what to think here. I, I, well, obviously, we know Kevin Feige does exist. Yeah. Like I was thinking, did did Kang make Kevin? Is he gonna come tie into this at all? Like again, I'm doing that thing where they even called out in this episode where they're not, not everything has to be this massive conclusion. Exactly. But yeah. again, this this finale manages to get me going there, even after pointing out that it doesn't need to go there. So I mean, right. 
kudos to that. <laughs> but I feel like these She-Hulk listeners or She-Hulk writers are probably like listening to all of these geeks and nerds talk about Kevin and like, well, when will we see Kevin again? And what does it mean for the MCU? And they're probably like, we're never bringing Kevin back ever again. Like, it's not going to happen. Like, it was just for this one moment. Or uh, he's a watcher. Oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? Maybe he's Mephisto. Maybe he's Mephisto. Um, I was I was stoked to see Daredevil again, even though he did spawn in kind of like a like a video game. Well, like where did he come from? Like from they, the they, they're in the middle of a field, hanging out in the yeah, trees. Like, exactly. Yeah, like it, it's just it doesn't make any sense. How did he swing there? I was relieved though to see that uh, Titania knew who he was, um, and it, may, it leads mm-hmm. me to believe that maybe she spent some time in New York because of the fashion scene there. So she probably mm-hmm. knows of daredevil because of that i would have to imagine i i don't know i don't know what the fashion scene is like in hell's kitchen specifically but you'd have to imagine well, who's to say hmm? maybe she knows the kingpin and maybe they both have the same juice inside of them if you know what i mean oh you know? wait the juice <laughs> what kind of juice wait, are, are we still like talking that? about last why, week's why episode are hold on gamma goo right now oh my god <laughs> i'm talking about gamma goo i'm talking about the super soldier formula i'm talking about all that stuff that uh could be because we we haven't really nailed we haven't really nailed down on on what um what her powers are right like, where she got her powers yeah and I think a lot of people pointed out in you know when we first saw Kingpin that he was a little more robust and he seemed to take pain a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, is it possible that you know the power broker has been you know oh. some, broken powers some, maybe there's that connection. super soldier formula and there's and there's a connection there so okay. I don't know right. it could be interesting. All right. Well, listen, um, these last few scenes, I'm going to go out of order uh, just a bit because it's my show and I don't care what Kevin says. Okay. So before we get to the final big moments at the end of the episode, I wanted to touch upon the moment, uh, the specific scene in which we quickly cut to seeing a news reporter interviewing Jen on the steps of a courtroom. uh, And she says, if you attack, harm or harass innocent people, I'm coming for you. To which he responds with, Do you mean in a courtroom or as a superhero? And she responds with both. He then asks her what she's wearing today, and she shrugs it off and walks away. Uh, So how did you folks feel about this moment? Did it do enough for you to wrap up and represent Jen's growth and development as a character? 100%. I would say that those two lines very much surmised the entire series uh, for me and what it was about um, and how it stayed very true to telling that story uh, in its own way with, with the comedy, with the mm-hmm. fourth wall breaking, with the things that were very MCU conventional, but it all st- stayed rooted in her and, and about her character and her development. So I think that, you know, even given the, the opening lines in the first episode about power and what power looks like and mm-hmm. who, who holds that power, you know, to see where, where that opening statement where we get that opening statement and we're we're being introduced to the character and then at the end here to have that sentiment of you know both a superhero both as a lawyer she has come to accept both sides rather than uh you know be relentless of you know resistant to to her hulk dna if you will Mm -hmm. yeah i loved i love this ending too and again it kind of also harkens back to one of the covers where she's all the superheroes are on the steps of one of the law buildings and she's just going up in her business suit because that is part of her superhero attire is she can fight both in on the streets and in the courtroom. So again, sums up her journey perfectly. And I, I don't think you could have done it better. Hmm. As like a woman watching this series, I don't think I've connected to anything nearly as much. Um, so I was glad to see that she was going to be like a vigilante basically, but also like someone who's approaching crime uh, from a legal perspective. 
but I was happy to see that like the she changed the ending to the story, but the the like narrative hasn't changed where like men in this uh world universe yeah. really just don't understand how to talk what to are women. you wearing mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. she's like oh, okay sure yeah, yeah. Okay. it's just that reminder <laughs> though that they're not going to fix everything right yeah, and, exactly. and especially with with something like that they're not going to yeah. fix that with a series like this but they can they can poke fun at it they can draw apparency so that hopefully like you were mentioning before if an audience if someone was un, unaware of their own words or their own thing they can be kind of enlightened and maybe their thought process mm-hmm. might change mm-hmm. you would hope mm-hmm. I think that there's um, there's something that I saw recently. It was by a TikToker named Nathaniel Semson. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but oh. he has something called uh, Singing Through the MCU. And he does like v- videos of every single movie like a Broadway show. Anyways, he had this really great reference. Um, as I am the only woman that can truly connect that's on this podcast, I thought that I would share his sentiment with you on how... Um, men or um, portions of the fan base can like connect to She-Hulk. So he basically said, imagine your friend works at Costco. You've never been to Costco, but there's a new show coming out that is about a workplace um, comedy about Costco. And you can enjoy it and you can view it and you can share your opinions about it. But you and your friend don't really feel the same way about it. Your friend is in love with it. Mm -hmm. And they think it's really great representation for like, how working at Costco is, but you share your opinions of like, I don't think that's actually how working at Costco can be, or it can't possibly be that bad. That is basically the lens of like being a woman and watching She-Hulk and being like, that's exactly how I feel in scenarios dating Mm -hmm. on Tinder, how I feel about um, interacting with men at work, things like that. That, that was a really great kind of a, um, description of like how it feels to watch this show and how it feels to like hear people being like she hulk is stupid and she got her powers from nepotism um so yeah i thought i would just share that because it was super interesting shout out to nathaniel Sampson on tiktok i mean nathaniel's usually have the best opinions in my opinion i think <laughs> um but, no i i totally agree with yeah. that i i think um, nepotism bro. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Nathaniel um, reminds I think that's with, narcissism. <laughs> narcissism. There's, there's a lot of words that end. Uh, yeah. The narcissistic, nepotistic. <laughs> Nathaniel. Absolutely. Hey, listen. Absolutely. Start writing the intros. Um, but I did. I did think. Um, I did. I did like this sequence. I honestly, I thought it encapsulated, like you were saying, Justin, like the entire point of this show and, and kind of what you're you're mm-hmm. shouting out there, Alyssa. It, it, but I, the only thing I will say is I do kind of wish. I wish that this was the main focus for the wrap up of this episode. I thought that, you know, having this happen almost in between two other sort of uh, slightly bigger, you know, MCU fandom moments. It feels like Kevin Mm -hmm. still kind of got his wish when I kind of wish that Jen was going to be was really the main focus for this finale. But again, Mm -hmm. the way that they just have her say both. And smile. And again, Darcy, like you said, that animation is just phenomenal in this moment. Um, and they, they knew they had mm-hmm. to nail it for that moment. So if the majority of the budget went to that, um, then that's fantastic. You, and, and not giving Kevin um, a hat, a real hat. Um, but uh, listen, <laughs> we got his a little machine hat was cute. It was, it was really cute. I re- and listen, <laughs> if Kevin is not, if Kevin, the real Kevin Feige is not wearing that hat on the red carpet or green carpet for season two of this show, 
that will be a huge missed opportunity. Okay, Kevin Feige, call me. Let's make it happen. Um, but we have a couple more big teases at the end here. Uh, and I want to. I actually wanted to have them for our prediction segment, which we call My Closing Statement, Your Honor, Is. So I'm going to read the scene. And then Alyssa, as our guest, you may approach the stand first. <laughs> so in our final moments of the show, we see Jen as, uh, as well as Matt Murdock at the family barbecue where they ask, uh, where, the, where Jen's family asks incredibly invasive questions regarding Jen's new love interest. Uh, and we see that Bruce has joined the barbecue. We learn that Jen hasn't been the only one Hulk smashing, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> hey! Uh, and we're introduced to Bruce's son, Scar. Uh, and uh, and then we also get a, a post credit scene with Emil sitting uh, in his prison and Wong portals in to help him escape to the Camertage. Uh, and then we're asked why, you know, he's, he's, he asks Wong why he's a bit late. And he says that he's been sucked up into another TV show, which I got to say... Like, honestly, when he says that they're in a peak era of television, that's probably the truest thing that Wong has ever said, because mm-hmm. we are all, especially with the stuff mm-hmm. on Disney Plus and, and recently with Lord of the Rings. And it's just a good time to watch TV's, uh, TV shows as a geek. But um, I want to know, what did you think of this Teen Hulk-sized reveal of Scar? What do you think that could mean for the future of the MCU? And where do you think we'll see these characters next? Because we did hear in the writer's room that they are working potentially on a second season. And Kevin, even though he said there's no movie, I don't believe him for a second. I think we're definitely going to see these characters on the big screen. So, uh, Alyssa, you may approach the stand. Well, my closing statement, Your Honor, is after this series, I think I have the most open mind. I don't have like, I think that She-Hulk is going to be in this movie Mm -hmm. or whatever else. I am just very open to see like how they use her in the MCU and I have no opinion about Scar or Hulk or anything to be very frank. Um, I'm just kind of excited to see where it goes from here. Um, I do know like Scar is from like the World War Hulk kind of era and I'm not familiar with it too much. Do they like fight each other? Is he angry? I know he ages really quickly and that's all I know. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Very brief closing statement. <laughs> Darcy, get on up here. Well, uh, well my closing statement, Your Honor, <clears throat> is that uh, I think we'll uh, I think we'll definitely see She-Hulk again on the big screen. I wouldn't be surprised if we see her either in Armor Wars or Captain America: New World Order, both having very strong uh, political or like legal storylines to their uh, plot so definitely see her popping up in something like that type of role or maybe even an ant-man to be more of a again bring out that comedic side of her in what is always a funny movie mm-hmm. uh as for scar i he is probably only like 10 years old at at most and it's not that he ages faster it's that when he hulks out he basically goes to his adult form almost oh, so when he shrinks back go. down he's still just a fragile little boy but he almost spends like he never de-hulks because he's always angry at his dad for what he did to his planet because oh, wow. he has a very tragic backstory in the comics. So it'll be interesting to see if we get that at all in a potential movie. And with the way that they were treating it this time and the fact that we got this reveal after Kevin or Kevin was trying to cry, kind of shoehorn that reveal into the big uh, climactic scene, I think that we probably won't get to see a World War Hulk. We'll probably just see the fallout of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Justin. Well, 
My closing statement, Your Honor, is I agree with my colleague, Darcy. Um, I believe that we will see She-Hulk return in something like uh, Armor Wars or uh, Captain America New World Order, especially Captain America New World Order, given the fact that we will get the leader. Uh, and we, I think the intelligentsia will will be involved. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, Nate, you talked about it as well offline, or maybe it was on, on another watch club. But with what Falcon and the Winter Soldier did, talking about black Captain America and that as like sort of a racial topic yeah. and in, in America, um, I think going further with that in Captain America 4 and using the platform of intelligentsia to de diminish and you know devalue uh sam wilson as the new captain america could play a part and the leader having having wanting the super soldier formula and stuff like that i think there's just a lot of elements at play that can make make sense for her to show up there um and I, also there's rumors that they're recasting uh, uh ross um general yeah. ross with All harrison right. ford harrison and ford he is going in. to be making his yeah, making his appearance in Captain America: uh, New World Order. So, uh, with all these characters in this 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 movie, potentially, obviously, um, it, it seems fitting that she would show up there. Um, in regards to um, Scar, I was surprised <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Um, it felt very much shoehorned in, mm -hmm. um, given the fact that they. Uh, in in the scene previous with Kevin, you know, he was like, "Oh, we're going to explain where why he was on Sakar," and oh no, we don't need to we don't need to worry about that. Um, and then it just kind of gets kind of thrown in here in this like Fast and Furious family barbecue style yeah. fan scene. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was very Fast and Furious, family. by the way. I just going to call that out. <laughs> yeah, it was all about family. family. It was all about family. Yeah. They're yeah. barbecue, family. right? So it was and it was no. in the backyard and yeah. everything. So it it I think I think that I think that was a tongue in cheek way to point out, you know that ending that reminds everyone of togetherness right mm -hmm. like you know the threat's gone and now they're together um so yeah i, I thought it was a bit strange to kind of just throw that in because like darcy said it raises more questions than it answers and uh uh i think you know what's what's next will we see will we see what happened when he did leave and he went to Sakaar and you right know, but is that like five comes years back, from like, now that we'll see that like when do we see that right like we don't well, know well, apparently Universal still holds the rights to the Hulk movie until like, and that's the supposed of to go up twenty twenty three. Yeah, twenty twenty three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it could happen. It could happen sooner rather than later. I think it's mm -hmm. likely. Whereas the X Men, the part of the reason why they're being pushed, like it's being held back, is because for whatever reason, contractually, they can't uh, recast those characters until twenty twenty five. Oh wow! Uh, after twenty twenty five, so that's that's why there's there's a lot of. Uh, uh, slow pace of of the mutants right we might get new mutants that we've never seen like namor we've already gotten ms marvel right so or maybe these right. hulks maybe scar is a mutant mm -hmm. i don't know yeah Whoa. yeah absolutely he only survived because of old magics and gamma stuff so definitely some mutations going on in his system mm, okay 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 um my closing statement your honor is that this barbecue scene was crazy to see matt murdoch <laughs> the Netflix, the hero of Netflix and, and hanging out it with not only Jen as, you know, as Jennifer Walters, but the Hulk is in the scene. Like we've got one of the original Avengers in a scene 
with Matt Murdock was just so dope and just Crossover, further solidifies. Bro. I know, but it's just great. Like, it's just like, it's just one of those things where it's like, you hope it'll happen and then it does happen. And I'm going to say this 19 times over when we eventually, you know, in 2026, when we get all those X-Men uh, into <laughs> this, this, you know, cinematic universe, when we do eventually see Hugh Jackman uh, standing in the same room, you know, as, I don't know, whoever, as, as freaking Ant-Man is standing there for some reason. Um, but I will say... I, I did love that Jen's dad is immediately talking about them having kids and then almost in a way where like even in this moment Bruce still has to be like better than Jen and he's like <laughs> I've got a kid <laughs> like immediately I've got a kid I, you're a grandparent now like it, or or a That's grand true, yeah. cousin uncle or whatever he is to him but uncle he's a yeah grand uncle but it's just it's just so funny that they was just like instantly here's a kid um, I agree that the the arrival of Scar, I do think it very well could mean a World War Hulk's movie. I think that would that would be really cool. I think it makes sense because um, I mean, even if even if Kevin did remove the the blood plot resolution from the finale, that doesn't necessarily mean that he erased the fact that her blood might be out there. You know what I mean? Like, I still mm-hmm. think that that could be the case. Maybe Todd didn't get it, but it still happened, or maybe the intelligentsia still has it, or, or what have you. The, I, I still am on the, the basis of thinking the intelligentsia is bigger than the one sect that we heard of. Um, 100%. Yeah, because where is Josh? Well, that's what I want to know, right? Yeah, Josh. Josh is leading up the more important, less uh, doofy side of the of the intelligentsia, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I Probably. think I think it's interesting because I think um, if we think about another group that was a you know a shell company, um, you know we had the tracksuit mafia that was laundering money through the shell company um, in Hawkeye. Uh, I'm just trying to remember what it was called now. It was... Uh, Tresta Bro. Well, you know, Tresta Bro was their moving company. So they had multiple companies, but they also had Sloan, yep. Sloan Limited uh, as well. And so I'm just wondering, like, maybe that's not the only thing that they're doing is laundering money, but maybe they are also a part of the intelligentsia. Um, and I could totally see that that being the case because I think Kingpin would fit in with those bros. I think the Kingpin could be involved. I think... The power broker. Yeah. You know, she's got to come back at some point. You know, I think this is all like kind of this is where these villains might be living is in this intelligentsia, you know, with the leader and, and stuff like that. I think that it's it's very plausible that this is kind of like our, uh, you know, villain team up. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to see Jen in uh, in the new blood um series i think she's going to maybe not star in it but she'll definitely be on like a new blood is it called new blood what's it called reborn um, reborn 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 my bad i think she'll be in the reborn series um you mean, you mean born again born oh again. is it born again yeah it's born yeah. Again. yeah 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 <laughs> it's okay. like what are you guys talking about just call it reborn i thought you were talking about twilight Daredevil. i was I'm like talking what? about new moon uh, <laughs> the new the new twilight new moon movie she's going to be in that yeah. uh, <laughs> No, I, I definitely think she's going to show up in the new Daredevil series. Um, I think she's going go. to be on a call. Um, I think maybe they'll be they'll be chatting. Maybe they'll keep their long distance relationship going on. Um, but I definitely do think that possibly he might also be dealing with some of the fallout from uh, this this you know 
her blood being out on the market. Uh, I think Nikki and Pug, we're going to see them in Jen's uh, whatever movie appearance that she has. I think they'll just be there for a quick cameo, uh, which is sad because I want more Nikki uh, into like in everything. Just bring Nikki. Bring honestly, just bring Nikki and and freaking Madison into all these projects, and I think the internet will be pretty stoked. Um, but lastly, I do think Abomination will show up in the Thunderbolts, and I'm praying to Mephisto that Wong and Madison um, are going to be in another show with whatever show he comes in. I love that meta humor of him being like, oh, he's been sucked into another show. Uh, I don't think it'll be Secret Invasion, but I think it might be Loki Season 2 or Agatha Coven of Chaos. It would be incredible if Madison becomes a witch in Coven of Chaos. Like, I'm just saying, man, I would be, I just, I want all these characters to come back. I think the supporting cast, um, alongside Tatiana Maslany, did such an incredible job uh, with this, with this show. Um, I also like that end there, how, you know, he doesn't have Wi-Fi at his own retreat Yet the first thing he asks when he's going into Camartage is, "Do you have Wi-Fi?" Yeah. So it's like, oh, where do you really care about that? And just didn't want to pay for it. Like, what was the deal with yeah. that? I like that little like random sense of humor there. I, I had a question. Uh, this is probably strictly for for Darcy because of his wealth of comic knowledge. But in regards to um, seeing She-Hulk or Jennifer Walters show up in something like Secret Wars, is that a possibility? Would she would she go up and defend uh, the universe against? Um, the Great Tribunal, or something like that. Would would we see something like that? Could she be, you know, acting on Earth's as the defense attorney for Earth? Because I think that would be pretty interesting to find a way to connect her, yeah, you know, so grounded into something that could be very relevant. Uh, you know, with it's the Great Tribunal that I'm thinking of. It's the four heads that they have. The, the, yeah, class. yeah, that, yeah. They would be they. They're kind of a, a deciding fa- decidal factor for for the universe. So I was thinking maybe is that is that something that we could see? possibly i mean again in secret wars i feel it more like she'd be defending you know the people who have been in hiding on earth but not causing trouble because we do know there's a scroll faction there so i feel like that'd be more the connection that we see her in potentially leading towards her representing earth for sure or just the main universe in this you know multi-dimensional courtroom it would very be very on the nose for her so i wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if that happens i i personally would love to see like you know, again, just a very grounded character suddenly being taken to a very cosmic level where it's either, you know, she's defending her universe against the, against the Great Tribunal or even a celestial being of some kind, you know what I mean, of, of anything. I think that that's really, that would be really, really interesting. And she's making a defense and, you know, she's creating a case and stuff like that. You don't need to make it super comedic, but just the idea of like her value and her, her importance. And again, that she's both, that she can be mm-hmm. both the hero and the lawyer. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, Alyssa, I know you mentioned that you were going to start getting into Secret Wars. Have you started reading it yet or not yet? I No, I just recently moved. Okay, so all of my stuff is in boxes just off of camera. Yeah. <laughs> For all the listeners, yeah. um, <laughs> we're in a new apartment. Yeah, no worries. I, I want to get to it so bad. Darcy, you've... you've raved about uh about that series so like anytime marvel releases you know one of their big titles that has these crossover events Mm -hmm. they are usually worth reading because they are really cool character explorations because they take these ground level heroes and stick them into cosmic level issues which is very very exciting well with all the with all the recent movie delays um for for the marvel cinematic universe i think we've got 
a, a decent amount of time to to catch up and hopefully we can we can read ahead a little bit uh but listen i think it's time we give our overall impressions of this episode and our final score which will be on a rating of one to five wall breaks uh, and then we're also going to share our final score for the series which will be on a rating of one to five she-hulk smashes so Alyssa, i'm gonna, as our guest i'm gonna get you to kick us off here for final thoughts all right um, I would give this episode four out of five wall breaks. Mm-hmm. I did that right. Yeah. Amazing. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed, like we said, like all of the meta um, conversation. I really enjoyed that. Um, we we got to see like Jen kind of be the, the narrator of her own story. Um, I wish that we would have gotten maybe a more um, satisfying end with mm-hmm. Todd. Uh, once she kind of returned from from talking with Kevin, uh, I was kind of surprised at how quickly we just kind of like tied up the loose ends and didn't see how the loose ends were tied. Yep. Um, but She-Hulk has been one of my favorite shows so far. Uh, I would give the entire series 4.7 uh, She-Hulk Kevin. smashes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Only on the basis of like, I wish we had a little bit more of a satisfying ending. Um, I wish that, uh, to be very honest, I wish that that kind of portion of uh, Hulk and Scar was not included in in this Mm -hmm. portion because he was just gone for so long. And then at the very end, it's like, by the way, here's something about someone that wasn't in the show at all, but you guys are watching because like, yeah, you want to see Hulk, you know? Um, so very satisfied with the whole story overall, but not super satisfied with the ending. Okay. All right. I think that's, that's kind of, uh, an ongoing, you know, theme for the, uh, the Marvel cinematic shows. And I think a lot of fans, Mm -hmm. um, both the, both the fans with the good criticism and the fans with the toxic criticism, uh, have, Mm -hmm. that's something they have shared is, (laughs) it's that one idea that the finale is not, uh, quite as good as it feels rushed. It does, yeah, it definitely yeah. does. Um, Always, even does. though this, even though this this series did pl- have more episodes to play with. Um, mm-hmm. Justin, how about yourself? Um, yeah, I think this finale was a breath of fresh air. To be to be frank, it, it it very much subverts all the MCU expectations to give us an ending that feels very much rooted in in the character of of Jennifer Walters and and you know also known as She Hulk. Mm-hmm. It purposely finds its way to close out her story um, rather than focusing on what's next in the MCU. Uh, I think those seeds are obviously planted, but they're not the focus, which I think is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree with Alyssa. I think throwing in the reveal of Scar at at the end there with Hulk feels very like thrown in. And I liked that, you know, in the previous scene with Kevin, he was like wanting to do it, but Jen's like, no, no, we don't need to see that. I just wish they committed to that. Yep. I wish they had committed to that and just kind of gave in at the end and it, and it gave something to the fans that I think, again, as we were mentioning, raises more questions. And it's just like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. What? Can we can we go back to that for a second? Right. Um, but I think that's the whole point of this episode very much so is, is to not necessarily say fuck you to the fans, but it is to kind of say something to the fans in regards to chill out. Calm down. Mm-hmm. Things will things will happen. I think the MCU is getting not necessarily toxic, but it's getting overloaded mm-hmm. with a lot of these fan expectations That's of it. where things should go. And, you know, fan theories are fun, proven right or proven wrong. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But it's the expectations. And then it's like, oh, this isn't what I expected. That's mm-hmm. not what I want from the MCU. Right. This show 
in this series finale very much in your face says this isn't what you expect mm -hmm. this isn't the traditional ending this is about she hulk and i and i love that the show is the the title of the show was you know whose show is this mm -hmm. right because again the entirety of this episode is to remind us that jennifer walters the show is about jennifer walters and it closes out really strong on on wrapping her story so again small faults uh in the episode but i think this episode keeps the consistency of the entire series with tons of laughs super meta qualities uh very self-referential leaving me with a very satisfying feeling for this finale so i'm gonna give it four out of five wall breaks now for the series i think this is yet another example of the MCU giving us a series outside of everything we know and expect from Marvel. And it delivers a show that does break those expectations and brings in a new genre that feels fresh for Marvel to play with. Mm -hmm. I think in many ways, the series is designed to talk about bigger things like representation, uh, femininity, toxic masculinity, toxic fandom, all of these things that are very prevalent in real life, it brings it to the forefront and embraces it as part of its uh, nuanced storytelling. It implicates it really well with both very satirical qualities while also very real world, as, as Alyssa pointed out, based on the this TikToker uh, who, who kind of outlines it. It is real. There's there's a real audience that connects with these situations and identifies with, with feeling uncomfortable in moments that I think for for a variety of reasons men don't fucking really take into consideration and i think it is pause for a lot of just for everyone to really reevaluate how they approach situations and in, in 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 interactions whether it's dating whether it's working with people um i you know going on this idea of it feeling very real and very very connected that extends into the cast uh you know Tatiana Maslany, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not, I'm not going to remember all of their names, but <laughs> Pug, Nikki, yeah. uh, you know, everyone that was in the show uh, brought a sense of authentic authenticity to their to their characters that made them that much more relatable and the audience to connect. Which I think, again, you you have like MCU and then you have comedic and then you have these real world connected things. It's kind of taking the best of what we've seen from everything in the MCU and and mixing it together to create something that is like unlike anything we've seen. And yeah, I I really enjoyed this series. I was very surprised from the get go. It had kept me very happy throughout and. All the moments that it breaks the fourth wall or that it says, oh, yeah, this episode's not going to be about that. Oh, you want to see Daredevil? Nah, fuck that. You're not going to get that this episode. Right. It was tons of fun. And I love that they did that very, uh, very committed, very confident throughout the entire series. So 4.5 out of 5 Hulk smashes for She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, you know, kind of what you said there in terms of um, the, the fandom you know, seeing something and, and having an expectation and it's not, it isn't that, you know, it's not what they would have written and then therefore it's no longer valid or it doesn't, it's it's not good. Um, I think we can criticize after the fact, but I agree with you on the stance of like, it's so much fun to theorize. That's literally what Watch Club is for. But when we get it yeah, exactly. completely off basis and it's completely wrong, I think it's actually a delightful thing. It's it's really yeah. fantastic. We enjoy it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We enjoy it. It's not like, oh, well, I didn't like that. Maybe, yeah. maybe sometimes we're like, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I don't think we would hate it. 
or dislike it or just say that it doesn't matter anymore because it didn't end up the way we wanted it. Exactly. It's just different from what we would have expected. And we can embrace that. I think that's the the ideas is to embrace all of this stuff rather than just putting up walls. Yep. And I think people need to stop, uh, you know, uh, with the basis of, oh, the quality of this thing is based on how much it's for me. You know, there's a lot of folks that are like, oh, it's not for me. So therefore it ranks really low in terms of the quality. No, that's not fair. Like it's yeah. it's absolutely still a phenomenal production. And if you don't jive with it, you don't jive with it. But you can't diminish what they what they achieved or accomplished. Um, Darcy, how about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I love this finale. Uh, again, my gripes with it do lie the same uh, same spot with as Justin and Alyssa in that uh, I would have liked to see how... Kevin or, you know, even just Jen would have explained away these changes that they made to the story as opposed to just kind of jumping to the end and then moving on really quickly. Uh, overall, though, I love the humor. Again, greatest fourth wall breaking we've seen to date in pretty much any any uh, video or visual um, uh, format. So I love that. Uh, yeah, going to have to give this finale uh, a 4.5 out of 5. Just uh, 4.5 out of 5 wall breaks, mainly because I wanted that the storytelling at that one point just seems kind of like a cop out. And I, I, mm-hmm. I understand it was to get to the end of the story, but I kind of wish we got a bit more, uh, as a series overall, I've been again, loving it the whole time through. There were some, some dips in what we perceive to be the storytelling. And as they pointed out in this finale, that it's not always about this big, bad reveal at the end of the series. It's just about the character growth mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that, they really nailed that landing in this episode. I think really goes far to say that they really knew what they were doing throughout the whole series. So uh, right. I'll be sitting right there with Alyssa and giving this one a 4.7 out of 5 Hulk smashes for the series because it was so so fresh and so relatable in so many ways that I, I hope that Marvel continues to have this kind of approach to their, their content. A 4.7 mm-hmm. for Kevin. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think for myself... Um, I, I'm a, I'm a little bit conflicted with this episode because I mean as I said I was giggling I was laughing I was smiling the entire episode and after talking with you three the episode honestly I I've enjoyed it a lot more but but sitting with it and and reflecting on it I can't help but feel that while it was incredibly creative it did leave me wanting more closure than it gave I, I felt as though it, it you know it worked so well to give us a true She-Hulk style story wrap up. But it wasn't gratifying uh, in the sense that I would have loved to see at least some portion of the story kept through. Because even Jen in this episode calls out that it doesn't really feel like the episode is foc- focusing enough on like her growth or her struggle with being a She-Hulk. And instead, it just gets really messy. And then and even after she fixes it, it gets messy. Um, you know, with the introduction of Scar, I didn't... As you guys said, I really don't think that was needed right in that moment. Um, that might have been better as a stinger uh, right at the the very end after the credits. Um, and I think it kind of takes away from the, honestly, a really great but brief moment of her saying, you know, when she's like, I'm both. Um, but I mean, all the stuff with Nikki and Pug in the episode was so incredible. Uh, and it had the the best use of fourth wall breaking that, again, I've ever seen on screen. But I just feel as though I should be walking away from this finale feeling like Jen has actually accomplished knowing herself more than even in the previous episode. And I just don't know for me if that final scene with her and the interviewer was enough to to actually show that. Um, But I'm not going to get too upset. 
uh, uh, I'm going to give this episode fourth wall breaks out of five. As for the series, I did really enjoy it. I think it's incredibly difficult to pull off what they did with this show. And in a show that is almost entirely like a meta commentary on the fandom uh, that it's playing to week to week, it's, it's a commentary on us. I think you take a lot of risks when you get people invested in narratives that you just drop at the end. The, the whole joke in the writer's room about making the entire second season a dream, it helps me to understand that this, you know, obviously this was intentional, but I still think it could have been done with a little more nuance, a little more moderation uh, as to what was kept and what was dropped. Um, and, and I think like the finale, I think the entire season is a bit messy in terms of pacing. I think, you know, I, I said it before on a previous podcast, previous watch club, I would have loved for them to maybe do a one week with Kat Koiro and then another week with a new Valia's episodes, uh, which were the three episodes in the, in the middle of the season. I think that would have given us a narrative pushing story one week and then a side quest the next week and do like a, I don't know, like a back and forth, I think would have just been a better pace. Um, but like, listen, this show gave us Madison with two N's and one Y, but it's not where you think, uh, and yeah. Nikki and Pug and Emil and, uh, Wongers, Wongers. <laughs> yeah, and, and ultimately Jen herself, uh, Tatiana Maslany, all of them, they are the highest points of this show, even more than the narrative. I think the characters are so well-written and, I was just laughing so much to really focus too hard on any of the low points of the season. Um, I still think uh, episode eight was the best season of the show because it, it gave us a narrative forward adventure. It it gave us uh, an adventure that was filled with great She-Hulk moments, great Daredevil moments. Um, it had fantastic fourth wall breaks, uh, and it, it had a lot of really great fan moments as well, but it also had moments that were filled with stakes and consequences i i feel like if they maybe if they switched the finale and episodes eights like i don't know like intentions it might have worked for me a bit more overall but ultimately i i just had such a fun time with the show and at the end of the day it was so confident in in what it's messaging and, and it's such an important message um so i'm going to give the entire season of she hulk attorney at law a solid four out of five she hulk smashes all right well listen before we end up uh before we wrap up Alyssa, let me thank you so much for joining us for yet another watch club finale would you mind letting our lovely listeners how they can both hear and see more of what you going what you got going on on that there twitch of yours of course yes i mainly am on twice a week on twitch.tv slash it's a girl Alyssa, where we do pokemon card breaks and giveaways and lots of fun stuff um, you can also find me on Instagram at it's Awissa, Twitter at your girl Awissa, all with a W, yeah. uh, and uh, TikTok at it's Awissa. But if you wanted to hear a little bit about um, my friends and, and what we talk about, uh, it's kind of like a reflection of geek centric, but from a female's point of view. Uh, it is Video Dames, the podcast, and you can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Dope stuff. Dope stuff. We'll have that all linked in the podcast description. Uh, it's It's always a party and a rush when. When Alyssa, when you're cracking packs, when you're pulling zards, when you're dropping <laughs> bars on that Twitch of yours, um, it's always a lot of fun. So definitely go check that out uh, and maybe pick up a couple packs of cards. Uh, and uh, yeah, you have Marvel cards on there too, don't you, for our Marvel fans? I occasionally do, yeah. Cool. We That's the only non-Pokemon product <laughs> that I have because I just, the Dragon Ball and all those other things, I can't figure no. it out. <laughs> I'm sure you can. I'm sure we can all look forward to your Lorcana openings, though, because oh my you're gosh, probably getting yes. to that stuff. I will have Lorcana, absolutely. <laughs> That's be so dope. 
Uh, well, that is it for this week's episode of Watch Club and for this entire Watch Club for Marvel's She-Hulk Attorney at Law. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, let me just bust into Justin's computer monitor and send you over to him to let you know how you can reach us. <laughs> that was so aggressive. My God, I made <laughs> everything so clean and now it's a mess. I'm so sorry. Ugh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, like our recent spoiler-filled discussion for Werewolf by Night, where Darcy just absolutely went beast mode, dropping some, some really dope details that you might have missed during the special presentation. But don't worry, if you haven't watched Werewolf by Night just yet. We also have our spoiler-free review out for it now, as well as spoiler-free reviews out now for Andor, as well as uh, Amsterdam and Hocus Pocus 2. Uh, and we have a ton of interviews like with the director of Hocus Pocus 2 and some of the amazing cast. Uh, and we also have interviews with the lead writer for She-Hulk, Jessica Gao, who, again, I say, was in this episode, uh, as well as director Kat Coiro, who directed this finale. Uh, so go check out those interviews both here on Podcast Services and on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. And lastly, uh, Justin and Kevin recently got to witness the hierarchy of the city of Toronto change when they stood a stone's throw away from Dwayne The Rock Johnson at the gold carpet premiere event for DC's Black Adam. Uh, and they have some lightning reactions that they're going to share in an upcoming spoiler-free review dropping real soon. So, um, Justin, I'm so stoked to hear how your experience was just standing that close to the greatness that is. Oh, dude, it was surreal. It was so cool to be that close to the great one, the people's champ. Uh, we got some video content that we're going to be dropping ahead of our uh, episode that will recant our adventures of the event and our review. Uh, that episode will be dropping next week, October 18th. Uh, so be sure to subscribe to us on all our social and wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss that episode. There you go. Again, thanks to our friends at Warner Brothers Canada yes, for getting thank Justin you. Thank you. And, uh, and Kevin over to see. Not the robot Kevin, of course, <laughs> our Kevin, uh, over to see. <laughs> Although I wonder what the robot Kevin would have thought of of the movie. Uh, we'll have to wait and hear his review. Um, well, listen, go give those episodes a listen, a like, a subscribe, and leave a five-star review if you don't mind. Darcy, Justin, and Alyssa. Thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say for potentially the last time, Hulk, Hulk smash! smash. <laughs>